Curation. That is the word of the day. Are you curating your life in that it creates a positive environment for yourself and those around you? Or maybe you're purposely or inadvertently curating a very negative atmosphere for those who come in contact with it. Either way, a lot of that choice is up to you. Are you negative networking? Are you positive networking? Are you networking at all? These are some of the things that Tyler McCune and I discussed today. Tyler's an awesome guy who uh, has a lot of thought-provoking, interesting commentary about what's going on in the social media space and in life in general. He just is a great person to talk to, and I think you'll see that our conversation came very easy. So I invite you to enjoy listening to a conversation between myself and Tyler McCune. Hey, man, so I got to jump right into this because you sent me this thing about phone anxiety, which I thought was so strange. But uh, tell me where you got that from. Like, what was the inspiration? To be honest, I can't remember. I think that was just an article I saw. And uh, last time we talked, I was kind of letting I was kind of telling you that one of my friends does that where he'll he'll like see the text and he wouldn't text back for like a week. (laughs) Um, And so I think that article just caught my eye because I had a friend who did that. And yeah, I really don't know too much about it. I just like kind of skimmed the articles I sent you because the one I read was like a few years ago, but yeah. it's a really fascinating phenomenon. And I think there's like a lot to can be said about it, really. Well, what do you think there that's happening that there's phone anxiety for people who are going to listen? Basically, like people are anxious, like talking on the phone. Like, what do you think that's coming from? It's a great question. I think... Part of it, well, at least for my friend, it's, it's more like a texting thing. And I know people have a lot of anxiety about writing. And I'm very, uh, you know, s- sensitive to that because I'm a writer for my job. And so I think a big part of it is there's a difference probably with how the brain's wired between speaking like we're doing now and actually writing. I think it's just, first of all, like having to look at it and having it exist in cyberspace, it just adds on like an extra dimension of anxiety. But I mean, I can't really tell you because I don't, I don't really suffer from it. So I don't, I don't know. I just think it's people being in their own head. I think they might be in their own head, but uh, it was funny. I, I don't remember. I remember growing up. I don't remember this being like an issue, but then again, yeah. I started thinking, what if something is an issue? It's just that it didn't have the access to become open to other people to know about mm. in a sense, you yeah. know, I don't know. Like, I, part of me like thinks about there's many things you think. Oh well, well, people are more divisive than ever. But are they, or do they just have more opportunities to put things out because of the internet? Well, no. It's, I was actually just talking to my parents last night. I went over there for dinner, and I was like blown away because we were talking about how like the, like at like 9 p.m. or whenever the last TV show ended, it would just go to like static. Like there wasn't TVs all night. And then I was talking to my dad about the news and I was like, so you didn't like, when you were by like way younger than me, like 12, you didn't really know what was going on. He's like, no, like there was the news from like five to six. My dad would watch it, but I wouldn't watch it. And it was just blowing me away how like a 12 year old today knows what Donald Trump is doing. And like, if you asked him about Ukraine, they'd probably know something was going on, but just, you know, that was only, 30 or 40 years ago, like my dad, when he was 12, he had no idea what was going on in the world, basically. 
It sounds I, so nice. In a I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't for a 12-year-old, you know? That's what I was going to ask you next. Think about, like, is that a good thing? Or is it, you know, what is it nice to kind of be blissful, blissfully ignorant on some level about that? I mean, I can't see, like, the average person being super involved in in politics being a good thing necessarily. <laughs> like, I think it's a good thing that people are aware that, you know, for example, not everyone lives like we do in America, but I don't know. I think it's just weighs so heavy on people that it actually takes them away from doing the positive things they could be doing. Do you think like, so in the ter instance of politics, do you think that it almost paralyzes people from being involved in the political process, say like voting? Hmm. It's a great question. I, honestly, like, this isn't exactly going to answer your question, but I kind of don't see how it makes sense to allow people to vote. And, like, not all people will take the wrong thing. Oh, it's like, a hot take right here. Okay. Very <laughs> okay, hot. I'm all, I'm all for liberty and freedom. Like, that's, like, I'm all for it. But at the same time, like, if I went to the voting booth, I would not know every name on the ticket. So at, at a certain point, I'm just guessing. And... Mm -hmm. It like, doesn't really make sense to allow someone like me to vote when I don't really keep up on politics. Like I would love to, to have more time and be more active in my community, but I'm really focused on building my business and like, you know, just just, you know, making enough money to, to do cool things. So I think it, I mean, it's not that crazy back, you know, the beginning of America, which there was tons of problems with how they structured things. But you had to have been a landowner to vote. And I'm not saying we should just like go back to that. I, I know it's a bit archaic, but I don't know. I don't think that watching the news and going on BuzzFeed, for example, is like really going to give you the inside of who to vote for. You know, like I think it's a lot of it's it's a lot of bullshit, honestly. Like, yeah, the, the news is infotainment. It's not it's not edu education, really. Yeah, I you know there's I'm conflicted about it because you make a lot of good points, and but it's funny like. When I was in my 20s, I literally didn't pay attention to politics. I did not care. I, I'm pretty sure I voted, but I, I think I was a very uninformed voter when I voted for the presidential election. And forget about like all these like district voting and stuff like that. I mean, I, I still don't know who's in my <laughs> districts and stuff. Yeah. I think it's just too overwhelming. And when you go in there and you vote, you're right. Like you kind of, you know, well, you think you know. The presidential candidates and then like everybody else you're like i don't know i don't know who <laughs> these people are i don't know what this prop 25 is i don't like this yeah what is this number 33 i'm voting on what is this <laughs> <laughs> exactly and then the people usually just like oh i'm a democrat or i'm a republican and they'll just vote down that line which way oversimplifies things but which is a big problem in my opinion the whole man, I'm this is gonna be a fiery podcast. I feel <laughs> awesome. I feel this one that's good though, yeah. I think, is I've always had a big problem with this two party system with politics. I just think it's just weird. And um to kind of put people in these lines they stand in because and they're generational to me, a lot of them. If somebody's mom or dad or their great grandfather was a Republican or a Democrat, then they they vote people to me vote generationally. They don't necessarily vote for what they think is good or bad. They just go, well, this is what we've been doing. So we're just going to continue to do that. And to me, that's the worst outcome of, of voting is basically voting without any real critical analysis of anything.
Yeah, and it just becomes dogma, like some of the more touchy political subjects like <clears throat> gun control or abortion. It's it's not like people are like, okay, what's going <clears> to <throat> reduce suffering? You know, people just, it, it's just dogma at a certain point, and it's, it's really sad. But as far as the whole generational thing, I remember in fifth grade, I had a friend named Richard, and he, in fifth grade, was like the most hardcore Republican I've mm-hmm. ever met. And he was just great. Yeah, he would just say what his parents said. And I remember having a conversation with him where he was like, So, what are you? Are you a Democrat or a Republican? And I was like, I don't know, I'm 12. Like, what are you like, I remember being like, What are you like? I don't, I don't vote. Like, what are you talking about? And I think that really like epitomizes how people just, you know, fall into the, the rut. I'm 12. I, I got like a while to go to vote, vote here, man. It's like, yeah. It, I'm I'm 27 now, so I was allowed to vote for the last presidential election, but I actually yeah. they like screwed up my my registration somehow, and they they like Weird. yeah. So I don't know. I honestly it wouldn't matter because I live in California. And, <laughs> it's gonna go blue anyways. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it <laughs> <laughs> well, I always thought like the whole electoral college thing is so weird to me. I feel like. All of a sudden, like my wife and her talking about how like, why is like Iowa so important? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm sorry to people from Iowa. Like, I don't get why your state is so important in the election or like New Hampshire. Honestly, yeah. these are states nobody thinks about except during the election. Right. I mean, Iowa's not a hot topic on people's minds on a general basis. You know, who's like, oh, I'm going on a vacation <laughs> to Iowa again. I'm sorry. But if you live in like Cleveland Iowa, Detroit, and so nobody's going on vacation there. <laughs> it was like, you know, like, and for it to become like this hugely important state, I, I maybe, I mean, I just don't understand the mechanics of it, I guess, why the historical reasons why those states are more important, you know? It doesn't make sense, right? It, it doesn't it, make any sense. And I, I was cracking up because I think it's Iowa where, like, during the presidential election, they always go to that one pizza place yeah. like porky's pizza or whatever and they always have like you know bernie sanders giving a, a speech in there it's like it just doesn't make sense like and, and you know like they would never go there ever yeah like they would never even put their feet in the state that state ever <laughs> if it had no political reason for it i'm just that's just how i think about it i just like honestly for me like i have no reason to go to iowa i don't have family members there I'm not exactly hearing about it being the next big tourist destination. So why would I go there to go eat at that porky pizza thing or whatever? I don't know. No, of course I wouldn't go do that. I love pizza, but I'm not going to Iowa for it. You know, so it all seems like a a dog and pony show to me all the time, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I'm I'm not totally sure. I'm not the biggest history buff, but I think like the reason for the electoral college was because like, I think America's a lot different than it was, I mean, yeah. when it was founded. Like, it was more about states and, like, individual states coming together. And now I think we, we think more about just, like, America. So California, like, you live in Washington, I live in California. Yeah. But we, we don't see a big difference. Like, I think they used to back in the day. And I think back in the day, it was, like, California, because there's so many people here, would have been able to choose the president. And that's right. why they had the Electoral College. But I think now that everyone can vote, you know, to be a landowner to vote, like, just doesn't make sense. But look, I know you listen to Rogan. I listened to a couple of your podcasts. Yeah. It's something yeah. that Rogan always says is like, should one chimpanzee 
be the ruler of all these other chimpanzees? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a really good question. Like, is the presidency sort of a, a thing of the past? Is that really something we should hold on to? Well, I think it's something also we do listen to him both. And I think he, he said something I thought was really interesting. He was like, you know, when they did the Constitution, like, I think if they were alive now, they'd be like, listen, you idiots. Why why haven't you changed this yeah. over all these years? And it's like this inertia that we have, this mud that we get stuck in. We go, oh, it's just good, you know, just keep. It's only been like hundreds of years, you know, don't worry about it, you know. Right. And it's fundamentally changed dramatically since then. So our Constitution and things to me should be evolving as a living document as we're changing as people over time, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the counter argument to that, and like, I, I don't really, I don't really know enough about it to be on either side, yeah. but, because I, I was reading this article a couple of years ago about Arizona and how it's like all Republicans and they're just getting tons of laws passed, at least they were back then. And there was like, you know, you hear about gridlock and how bad gridlock is. Yeah. But yeah. they were like, this is why we need gridlock, because otherwise people just pass laws like crazy. And you kind of need that back and forth. But it's yeah. just, it's insane. Like, I, I live in a small town and they, they just built a four-lane highway through the middle of it. So it's, it's not really feeling like a small town anymore. But that four-lane highway, they approved like a decade ago. And they just got it finished <laughs> in the last couple of years. And so basically they're like getting the approval for the next expansion, like right now, but it won't be for like another decade. So it's like, there's way too much traffic as is, but they just take so long to get all the approval. So I'm a big, like, I, I can't stand bureaucracy. And that's like yeah. one of the reasons why I think smaller government is better um, is just because there's so much red tape. And, and like, I, I, I don't know, I feel lucky my business is mostly online, but I can really see that the, the next industry that's going to get cracked down on is it might be like online marketing and who knows what sorts of red tape we're going to have to jump over. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. And I think it's the red tape is the stuff that bothers me is you think, okay, these are whatever issue X, Y, and Z is you go, well, why can't we just take care of this? Why can't we do, why can't we do healthcare better? You know? But then it's like, I think because the country is just so big and there's so much going on, it's much easier for smaller countries to make sweeping changes that maybe are better for their citizens because they're just tinier countries. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I, like my wife and I love to visit Iceland and we just, we just love going there. We enjoy it. It's like a country of 325,000 people. And it's, it's like a speck of New York City. Well, and they're also <laughs> you know? all like all like they're all white they're all like the same yeah, culture pretty very much homogenous, yeah. it's like it's like you're saying like you and i don't have that much in common with someone in iowa like what you right. and i want like what you and i probably have similar stuff in common because you live on like a big city a city in the west coast i live on a right. city the west coast but like yeah. someone in iowa who farms corn wants something completely different than us and yeah. so it doesn't make sense because we're kind of all stuck under this umbrella we are we're almost like all these states which could almost be separated into different countries. It's so different. And so it's, I, I, I equate it to very large corporations have very difficult times getting things done because there's just too many, just too many people. It's too top heavy. There's too much administration. There's too much executives and things of that nature. So the machine is so slow to grow for that. As I think America, while super wonderful, is just, there's just so many of us. 
there's just so many states and so many different rules in different states, it becomes very difficult to get anything done because of that. Yeah, it's almost like again, this is we're getting we're, we are getting kind of spicy here, but like I, I was talking, I was talking to this this lady from Afghanistan when I actually lived up in LA, and she was telling me how like dictatorships over there are like better, and I heard that yeah, like I really. That. Yeah, when I was in, I was, I was in France in, I, was, I guess it was 2017, and I was talking to a Syrian kid, and he was like, yeah, like, Ameri you Americans, like, want to come over here and give us democracy, but, like, we've had an honor culture for centuries, and, like, this works for us. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, I'm just yeah. saying, like, maybe at a certain size, democracy doesn't really make sense. Like, you almost need someone to crack the whip. And again, I'm, like, a total free market, like, yeah, um, yeah. Like liberty, I think individual liberty is like the, the, the thing that we should shoot for. But I'm just saying, if you have 350 million people with all the different ideas, like it only makes sense, this idea of individual liberty, if you're working towards a common goal. Yeah. I mean, have you ever been in a group with like 20 people trying to do a project? <laughs> or just like trying, like deciding on where to go for dinner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're out with like 20 people and you're trying to decide what you're going to do for dinner, it's almost impossible. Yeah, you, you need like that, that cult of personality. <laughs> like, I, I can think of my friend who it is, who's just going to take the chart. Like, all right, this is what we're going to do, guys. I'm, like, I'm that person. I'm like, this is where we're going. Yeah, and, and then somebody complains, go, I don't want to go there. Well, you didn't step up and say where you wanted to go. You're so, exiled. Exactly. So it's like the larger something is, the more difficult it is to run that machine and get things done. But if you're like talking to two or three people, this is much simpler to get things yeah. done. And so I think that's kind of what we suffer from. It's still an awesome country. And I, I'd much rather be in America than I've lived in a lot of countries. It's, it's much better here, in my opinion. But I still think, though, that we're suffering from a lot of this gridlock in the sense it's just too big. And, there's, and now we're extremely different culturally. There's so many different cultures within our country, which I think is a wonderful thing, but also again, it's just more things you're having, you're trying to cater to all these different people. And like you said, like, I mean, I don't really have anything in common probably with somebody from Armadillo, Texas, you know, <laughs> Amarillo, Texas, or from like Birmingham, Alabama, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It's, um, and they probably like all oh, these guys on the West Coast. And, you know, people go, oh, they're very liberal. They have to be like hippies. You know, everybody thinks a certain thing about each other. All these guys are just so, they're like super liberals, you know? It's like, no. <laughs> like, just because I live here doesn't mean um, I am I am more liberal, but doesn't mean that I am not conservative, too, about things. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, that goes back to what you were saying about, like, the two-party systems. It puts everyone in a box. Like, I don't think my political views fit neatly on either side because... I think it goes back to like, I'm always like, all right, so what's going to reduce suffering? Like yeah. gun control, like is having more guns going to be better or less guns? Like it's not what I want. It's like what what's really going to make the difference? And I, I don't know. It's such a complicated yeah. question. But um, yeah, the, the whole culture thing makes me think of this guy, Mark Leonard, who's really fascinating. I've been talking to him a little bit. And um, for people who don't know, I, I write... Uh, I'm a copywriter and marketing consultant for meditation teachers. And Mark is uh, like big and like he's, he's, he's kind of has this new idea or, or is pushing a, a unique idea in the mindfulness world that 
you know, mindfulness gets touted as like, oh, it's going to solve everyone's problems. It's going to make you less stressed. It's going to increase sustainability. But his whole thing is like, less stressed individuals aren't going to solve the world's problems. Like less stressed <laughs> Americans aren't going to, you know, create a better America. Like the only way we're really going to come together is if we see each other as not separate, which is like mm. the fundamental insight of Buddhism really is like yes. seeing the coexistence of things. And I think that's a big part of it is like seeing how, even though we're so different than the corn farmer in Iowa, like our right. culture and what we want, like how are we coexisting? Cause that guy's growing the food and, you know, so I, I think, I don't know. It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is like community, especially cause I'm quite introverted. <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been interesting. Yeah. Uh, Man, I, I mean, I like that thinking. I agree. Less stressful people are not going to change everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a good start for just people's well-being and quality of life. But um, I think I struggle. I mean, I'm very honest about my feelings about things. I just think I struggle with being put in boxes on things. Like you said, I, I, I think we're very similar, Tyler. Like, my wife and I were just discussing this. We're like, well, we're not Democrats, but we're not Republicans either. But we're probably more liberal than conservative. We're probably more like liberal independence, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that means. <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, like I, it's very difficult. But it's like when you think about the country, the, the country doesn't let you be that, you know, they don't give you that box or right. that candidate to support for that. They go, no, no, these are the major things. You must conform to these major things. And, and because if you try to be beyond that, you have no shot anyways at getting that. I just don't like that. Yeah, I mean, and I think on top of that, like the skills that get you even to, to be a candidate isn't the same skills that would make you a good politician. Yeah. Like it's all, it's all networking to become the presidential, you know, like, like Donald Trump. I mean, I guess that's a kind of a unique story, but... Um, I mean, I agree with you. I think people are sick of getting put in boxes and, and not being seen as individuals. And then I think other people like it because it allows them to blend in. So I think it's, it's a pretty complicated thing. Yeah, I think it's very uh, complicated. I think online people are very divisive, especially about a lot of these topics, politics. I'm curious, as we get closer to the 2020 election for president, how the internet well obviously how the internet plays a role which it has been but kind of people's behavior how that amps up during that yeah. time you know you know what i mean like how people's online behavior will either escalate or not i, I have a feeling it will escalate because people get crazy about it well it's a good point i i because i think i was on like like this might be something that we end up talking about because i know we both are not on social media yeah and i think during the last election i was way more active on social media and i was like, kind of interested in all the little fights that went on yeah and so it's i it's hard for me to know whether it has de-escalated since then or if it's just because i'm not like plugged in good point. So it's, <laughs> it's interesting to create, like I haven't even thought of that. I just, I honestly just thought I wasn't plugged in anymore, but maybe it will escalate again. And that's kind of scary. But um, huh. yeah, I, I think social media and the internet's influence on politics is pretty deep. Um, I'm not sure if you know too much about the whole Trump campaign and, and running targeted ads in the last yeah, election. Yeah, I think it's, um, what was it? Um, what was the company that was doing uh, was, Cambridge Analytica? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, their story is crazy. I, there's this really good documentary on Netflix. I forget what it's called, but 
Um, I, I almost shut it off like 15 minutes in. I'm so happy I finished it because yeah. they went into like the history of Cambridge Analytica. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing this for decades. Like they've been, yeah. they've been influencing government elections all over the world for like the last 10 or 20 years. And it's really insane because they're not like hiding it. Like they literally came out and said, this is what we want to do. Yeah. And, and they basically like just utilized Facebook targeted ads to target people in swing states, just like we were talking about, like people in Iowa. Um, and it's insane. It's, it's just like, it's like 1984. I'm not sure if you ever read that book. Yeah, I know. It, yeah. Is it uh, Orwell? Yeah, Orwell. Yeah, yeah. I'm up to date on this stuff, Tom. <laughs> I know what's going on. Yeah. I've watched that documentary also. Oh, yeah. By the way. <laughs> well, I, I, I wasn't very aware of all that stuff. And then I watched the documentary and I was like, this is crazy. This is like out in the open. Right? That, that why was the craziest part. Why isn't anybody like upset about this? Like, this is like crazy stuff and so but i think you make a good point because i have been extremely removed from social media like i i remember when i got rid of facebook i was so free when i got rid of facebook i can tell you the first day i didn't miss it the second i got rid of it and i told my wife i say you know the evil thing is that damn facebook messenger that they have on these phones (laughs) man that thing is evil (laughs) i'm sorry man like (laughs) It's just like a it's like a rabbit hole that pulls people in. And uh, I think that I'm not sure what's going on online and this kind of the vitriol and stuff, because I just not a part of it. I don't even have access to it. You know, how long have you been off it? Like five years or so. It's been a while. Yeah, I I just I had I had it all too, man. I mean, I had Instagram and Facebook. All the stuff that was out there, I was like pumping it hard. And then I just, you know what it was? It was kind of the election stuff. And I started seeing how ugly people were being to each other. I said, oh, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to see it at all in my feed. And I just, the other thing that pulled me was people were contacting me on Facebook to message me. And they had my contact information. (laughs) I'm like, you have my phone number. Just like call me or yeah. <laughs> text me. Why would you contact me through this other platform when you have a more direct route by just calling me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I thought that was so strange when that happened. Maybe they they get off on the little red bubble that comes up, you know, it's like I mean they they like do that on purpose to addict you. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you know they like study yeah. kiss your nose and stuff. But yeah. I'm trying to go the other way. Um, I, I would love for people to, to write me letters. Uh, that, that would be like my ideal form of communication. <laughs> it's like like a friend I haven't seen for a while, and he writes me like a nice letter, and I can sit down and read it. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's nice. That is interesting. I I struggle with if that's going to become a thing, but I think your individual aspects of it could totally be a thing. Yeah. I think. I, I don't think, think it's, like, it's going to take over. <laughs> I don't think, Tyler, the letters that. aren't coming back, man. <laughs> but <laughs> that they could come back for you if you make the effort for with your group of people and you decide to do that. Well, um, well, to bring it to like the business marketing aspect, that's actually something that I've been thinking a lot about is how to – because direct mail, like getting basically junk mail was like – the main form of of copywriting for a long time yeah and now everyone's all digital so i've been 
every time I get a new client, I, I save their, their, their like, uh, address and, and I'll send them thank you cards. Um, yep. like when we first start a project, they get a thank you card. When we finish a project, they get a thank you card. And I think it's going to be a big part of my business is actually sending offers to people's address because no one does that. That's true. Everyone's like cold emailing, but especially for some of the, the meditation teachers I work with that are like corporate mindfulness trainers, they need to reach like CEOs and the VPs like, they're going to have to send FedEx packages to get to those people. You're not really going to reach them with email, but it's kind of a tangent, but it's something that I've been thinking a lot through. I like it actually. That's, I think there's, there's room for that mm -hmm. in different businesses and different pockets of spaces. Will it be widely adopted? Probably not, but it's kind of like, and I wanted to talk to you about this because I was like, oh, I'm going to be talking to Tyler. <laughs> I know he knows about this because I've been watching this New York Times piece thing on Hulu and they have all these different episodes and they talk, talked about deep fakes. This actually scares me, mm. the deep fake stuff. Do you, have you heard a lot about this stuff? You talking like where they could fake your like video and audio? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's creepy to me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, especially for you, because you've got like hundreds of hours of audio online. Exactly. It was so easy. <laughs> like I saw this piece and these these guys, it's uh, I think it's called Dessa or something is the name of the company. And they're trying to create the first indistinguishable deep fake, like perfect. Wow, and they're I don't I don't know. Like they're just like a bunch of 20 something guys who are like, well, if we don't do it, somebody else will do it. And, and he got a lot of lawmakers and people and it was like, man, don't let the, you know, you're opening Pandora's box potentially, yeah. you know? So they're trying to deep fake Joe Rogan, actually. I saw that one. Where yeah, yeah. It was like, he was like, we got a, a, a hockey team full of chimpanzees. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, what's the consequences, though, of this becoming reality, you know? Yeah, especially because... I mean, I'm not making a judgment on this one way or the other, but people are having like old photos that were taken in high school or college and they're getting like governors and people are getting deplatformed because of that. So, I mean, you take those two things, the ability to fake it, plus like this current outrage culture and it could ruin <laughs> people's lives just for no reason. It's, it's super 1984. <laughs> I'll just say it's fake news. If somebody does that to me, I'm like, it's fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might not recover though. I mean, you don't like the network, so you're probably gonna be okay. But like for some people, it, you know, you don't recover from that. Well, you know what's interesting? I think you brought up a good point, depending on your network. So I have been very, um, how do I say this? Very targeted in how I network. So I never engage in negative networking at all. And I think some people engage in it, but they don't know they're engaging in negative networking which to me is my definition is either putting out posts that are very negative in nature, calling out people, things, being divisive, or getting involved in other discussions that become negative, divisive, and you get hot and get going. So I think like I do have hundreds of hours of stuff being on this, but I think like if you look back through it, it looks back through all my posts, it's all very positive. So as somebody deep fakes me they could but then they'd have to compare it to what they've actually heard overall it'd be, it'd be very different donald exactly. trump's interesting because his history is also very negative and, and shitty most of the time you know like <laughs> yeah. so it's not surprise. i don't know why he say it's fake news because like the history is very it's filled with weird stuff all the time <laughs>
So I don't know how you, you can say it's fake, but like, hey, your history says that you say weird stuff all the time, even before this the technology came online, you know? No, but it could it, still, it could still cool. ruin me though. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was, it was actually the first thing I thought. I was like, yeah, if I saw a video of Darian saying some stuff, I'd be like, I don't, I don't believe it. Like, oh, you wouldn't nice believe guy. it. Right. Or I, at least maybe like message you and be like, hey, dude, like, what's up with this? Like, I wouldn't yeah. just like automatically assume. But it's funny because I, I don't know, maybe I'm guilty of negative networking, but I also think that's part of uh, my copywriting training. Like, <laughs> if you, I mean, if you don't talk about people's problems, which can yeah. be construed as negative, like you just don't. I mean, that's like a big thing of copywriting is being like, hey, you have this problem. Yeah. This this is the solution. So I don't know. I think I think I could be accused of negative networking, but. I always try to do it in a way that helps people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, it's partially how you present yourself. Like for me, my presentation of myself is very, well, I'm going to say it's curated. It's definitely curated, but I think it's also genuine. It's who I am. Mm -hmm. But I'm very careful to like, okay, let's say instance, like you've probably received this in LinkedIn. You know, people send you, hey, check out this 30-second clip. Hey, do you want to get involved in this? this program here, this gel will change your life, whatever, <laughs> all this stuff, you know? And I know people who in the past were like, they get off on like tearing those people apart on a message, you know? Who do you think you are? Don't come at me like that, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. I am very careful to be very nice to people when send me stuff like, oh, you mm -hmm. know, I appreciate you sending that to me. I don't currently have an interest, uh, but I really appreciate you reaching out to me. If I'm consistent on all platforms, and now, you know, for me, the platform is just one platform, basically, and then my um, podcast, then I think it would be much tougher to, you could deep fake me, but I have a lot of evidence to the contrary. Like you said, you, would, you wouldn't believe it if that happened. You'd be like, okay, yeah. let me text this guy and say, did you really do that? <laughs> you wouldn't just believe it full up, you know, like. Well, I think it goes back to something that I actually think it's like the most Maybe the, I don't know if misconception is the right word, but the, the most the thing, the thing people do the most wrong in building a business and marketing themselves is for me, it's all about relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you're really good is, is building relationships. And uh, I mean, you don't, but you don't have to do it like you do where it's like one-on-one -on -one because yeah. like how I, I email my list every day and the yeah. way I do it is in a way to build relationships. I'm not just like, Hey, buy this, this thing. I'm yeah. like, I'm like talking about stuff that's interesting to them. I know it's interesting because they they email me back and tell me like what they're interested in, what their problems are. So right. I think I think we've hit on like the most important thing. And if anyone listening is interested in, in getting better at marketing, I would say like focus on building relationships. And, and you're a perfect case study. Is like Thanks. your your brand is so strong because of the relationships you've built that you can survive a deep fake scandal. That's <laughs> So, hey, if anybody listens to this, don't try to deep fake me, okay? <laughs> don't even think about it. No, like, oh, it's, a, it's a challenge. They're like, oh, we're definitely going to do it now. <laughs> you know, but I think that's part of like, that's the interesting aspect of the internet. And it's so easy to sign up for all these things. It's so easy to get a Facebook account, Instagram account, Twitter, all that stuff. It requires extremely little effort. But the big effort it is, is and what are you responding to? How are you presenting yourself? How does an 18-year-old, 16, you know, 15, 17-year-old present themselves and, and know that? 
intelligently you know like you know what i mean like like facebook wasn't big when i was like 14 like (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i think you nailed it i think curation is that's like something that i've really been focusing on lately is like curate who i talk to the types of books i read Mm -hmm. the types of posts i comment on because all that stuff i mean it becomes part of your personality it becomes part of your business and i mean i think curate your audience curate your customers like i think mm-hmm. curation is huge and it's not like an exclusionary thing it's like no i want the best info and i want the people who are going to be helped best by the info i have so i think it's actually just a really smart thing to do do you think that people are becoming more um how do i want to put this it's maybe becoming more desirable to have more of smaller curated groups of people they're connected to versus just having likes and followers and all this stuff i don't know it's i think both are growing like i think like i think to some of some people i know and they're like oh you watch game of thrones i have to start watching game of thrones too but <laughs> I, I don't watch game of thrones it's just i've yeah, noticed I a big trend that people like hop on the bandwagon like that so i i don't know i really haven't seen a trend of people talking about curation you're, you're really the first first one who i've heard say it but I think most people are more interested in like growing an audience and they don't really think about like, I'd rather have a hundred quarters than, you know, a thousand pennies kind of an idea. Yeah. I think in many ways we've been socialized through the internet to have, okay, these people have a million followers. You need to have a million followers. You need to go viral. And I've always questioned that. And I'm like, well, I could put out something controversial. Uh, I could, go running and take my shirt off and have people like, you know, <laughs> taking pictures of me and put a badass video, you know, like rock song in the background or something. Or I could do what actually doesn't feel stupid to me and is actually my personality, which is hard because sometimes like the things that you do that maybe aren't popular, you recognize that they're not going to elevate you to some great level that maybe you maybe you do want. I don't know how I'm saying that correct. I'm not sure if I'm saying well, that. What do you mean by like doing the things that don't make you popular? I would say I have been very, I don't this is really, I don't think I've talked about this before, but I think it's like, I think a lot of people, they want to grow their business. You know, everybody wants to grow their business. They want yeah. to make money. They want to have maybe a little, little more like uh, validation for what they're doing. But sometimes I think people sell themselves out for that. You know, they're like, I, well, what if I, what if you're just living a good life and you're making a decent living and you're happy? Why do you have to have more than that? Mm-hmm. Or, or why do you have to do so much more to sell out what you did to just be happy? Yeah. You know, I, you know what I mean? Like for me, I know that like, this sounds strange, but I've noticed like focusing on positive commentary, which is my whole thing, being positive, promoting other people is such a slow burn. There is nothing glamorous or exciting or viral spreading about that. I have not seen that. And maybe it's because I'm not doing it properly, but I'm also not trying to make it happen like that, you know? Well, yeah, I think I, I think you and I actually are totally in sync on this philosophy of like not doing the sexy thing, but doing, yeah. first of all, I think that feels right. Because you like I like I could have a million dollar. I mean, I'm not saying like like just imagine having a million dollar business, but not doing the things that you want to do every day. Versus yeah. making enough money to be very comfortable, but to being able to do the things you want to do. Like yeah, I mean, for me, it's a no brainer. I would way rather go the slow route and do the things that I want to do. Yeah, 
Right. Um, and I, I think that's a big trap in marketing and business is you have these people selling these like sexy funnels, like, you know, you're going to put up some Facebook ads and be able to make a thousand dollars a day. And it's like, no, it doesn't really work like that. You have to <laughs> learn like the raw fundamentals of these things to really make the tactical stuff work. I'm not sure if, if that totally makes sense, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're doing it the right way. And I think, you know, in another five, 10 years, like your business will have built, been built on solid foundations and it, it'll just be super strong. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, to me, it makes a lot of sense to do it how you're doing it. Well, I think it's interesting. Thank you. Um, like people look at, let's say, you know, we listen to Joe Rogan here and there. And like, I think people coming, coming on to Joe Rogan, they see a very successful podcast, like the biggest podcast in the world. Yeah. Dude's making tons of money every episode. A million. But that, but that, Pod, but that podcast has been around for what 10 plus years mm -hmm. when nobody was podcasting nobody and what did he start like just in his apartment like on Dude, his laptop uh, yeah yeah i i read about it because i was like i'd like to know the story of people i don't want to see where they're at and like and they've become this mega yeah. you know thing like where was it so apparently when he started like it was just literally like on his couch on a laptop computer well, he was just like chatting with his friends, right? That's yeah, he was just hanging with his friends. Yeah. And, he, and he said he purposely never did advertisements. He never told anybody. It spread literally by <laughs> word of mouth. Uh -huh. Now, I will have to say, it's not like he wasn't semi-famous when he started it. But I mean, still, the guy was on fear years. factor. Well, he had put in years to do that, too. Right. So. Yeah. So he had some name recognition when he started. But still, I mean, he was jumping into an arena that nobody was jumping into. And the technology was not sophisticated back mm -hmm. then. And he always talks about like how he had like terrible audio problems all the time. <laughs> and people would like complain to him about it, but like people would listen. And I think it's, his story is really important. It's like, you don't have like almost 1400 episodes by being lazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? mean? Consistency is huge. I think it's crazy. is one of the most important things for building like a powerful brand. Yeah. You have to be ready to put something out. So like me with my podcast, like my only goal is to be consistent every single week. That's literally my laser focus. Monday, Thursday, a podcast is coming out. Something's coming out on Monday and Thursday. Nice. And, you, and so you know that. And then it's just, if I can stay consistent, I believe it will lead to something. But I don't know what that something is. I just do it. And that's what I mean by like, I'm putting out positive posts. I'm not doing it on a time schedule or like, okay, I'm going to post at this time today. I just post whenever I feel like it, <laughs> which can be a lot or not. <laughs> and I think that's very counterintuitive to what people are being told, which is like, you have to schedule all this. You have to do this. You have to do that. And you need to do something on video that really, you know, pops. I'm just like, I really don't want to do that. I just don't want to do it. I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I honestly think that 90% of the noise you hear, especially about like, internet marketing is is all bullcrap like just yeah. just to be honest like i yeah I, I mean i've been studying like the old school direct response marketers from like 100 years ago and what they were doing 100 years ago still works today it's not like it's true. humans make decisions differently and i think joe rogan's a good example for this is people will be like oh you gotta do what joe rogan does you have to have three hour conversations <laughs> and you have to have ads and it's like, it's like, no, it's like Joe Rogan's been doing it for a decade. Like if you don't have his personality, if you don't have his goals, if you don't have his audience, his yeah. connections, like what he does isn't going to work. And 
the, the guy who I think like epitomizes this is Gary V. I don't know if, like I, I like barely do anything about Gary V before I got in LinkedIn. Yeah. Like, everyone's huge on Gary V. Yeah. I think he's like he tells people to do what he does, but that guy's been he had like one of the first YouTube channels. Like he was an right. investor in Twitter. Like just because he is successful doing what he does doesn't mean that you or I would be like Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a huge, huge mistake people make is like, look, what, look at what a successful person's doing right now and not what they did to become successful. Yeah. If you're looking for high quality, zero THC CBD products, palmorganics.com is your place. Go to the show notes and any episode of Dr. D's social network and put in the code Dr. D for 10% off all products. I think you have to study kind of the archives of what they've done. And just for me, is like, I have to be my authentic self. And my authentic self is not to post like YouTube videos and schedule a post every day and to just bombard people with my business. I mean, most people that talk to me it takes them a while to really understand what my actual business is that I do and stuff because I don't put that on front street. I don't, I don't push it. You know, I push relationship building to the forefront mm -hmm. and, but that's sometimes the issue with relationship. There's no issue with it for me, but I think maybe it's slow. It's slow for people and people don't like things that take a long time to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard that. to wait. It's hard to wait in our fast food culture. It's very difficult to put up, you know, to do episode after episode after episode, post something nice, post something nice and go, when will this do something? And you're like, well, what is that something supposed to be anyways? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I just do it. And if it's helping people, it gives them a sense of comfort. I mean, there's people on my podcast. I, this is how I know it's working. There are several people on the podcast that they live on opposite ends of the country and they're going to meet each other in like February wow. just awesome. because they become good girlfriends with each other and stuff. They're like, oh, these, we just, we're friends now. So we want to spend time with each other. Does that provide me compensation? No, but that's not why I'm doing it. Uh -huh. I'd much rather those people become friends. And the good feeling they're going to get, they're going to go, oh, this podcast actually helped me have better social, uh, a better social life. Wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's so counterculture, though. Like, people are <laughs> like, well, how do you make money off of that? How can you make money off of this? They don't always have to make money off of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I think we're, we're, we're pushed towards that. Like, this, I, I'm all for capitalism, people wanting to make money. I'm not against that. I'm totally for it. I just don't think it should be like for everything you do should be monetized. You know? Right. I'm a big fan of like getting like my, my goal for my own business is to get it to a point where I can work like reasonable hours and yeah. make, make as much as I, I need to make just to like survive and put a little bit of money away every yeah. time. And then on top of that, go after projects that are like either interesting and maybe they will or won't make me money. But I mean, I, I think that's that's part of the reason why I'm so interested in doing what I'm doing is like helping people have the tools to set up businesses that don't run their lives. So they're not. Yeah. And um, I, there's this guy named Sean D'Souza who's like a really old school marketer. Like he was kind of one of the, the original Internet marketers and he has like an anti-growth 
philosophy. So he's he's mm. been making like I think it's like 500k a year, which is which is a lot of money for yeah. business. But um, he says he like a third of it goes to taxes, a third of it of gets spent, and a third of it he saves. And he says he won't make any more money than that ever. Like that's like wow. that's like his limit. Him and his wife run his business, and they like they like specifically restrict sales of things. So they only sell a certain amount. So they only hit that, that number. And and he kind of said it like what you were saying, where it's like, it's all about the consistency. So now you only focus on the podcast. You don't listen, you don't focus on listens because that stuff fluctuates. That's going like, to fluctuate. Yeah. So he, what he says is he just now only focuses on is, is getting, making his products and services better because he doesn't care about the money anymore. Cause he's always going to hit that that 500k i don't know i think it's really inspiring um, that's very that, different man yeah you realize how different that is it's, it's like crazy and i think that's part of the reason he's been successful is because he's different and he's taken something that's dogmatic in the industry especially the internet marketing industry it's like all about making more money and he's actually set up his business around that philosophy to be counter so he's not going to attract as many people but the people he does attract are going to be like very diehard fans for yes. him because He's the only one saying that. Like, if you could be the only person saying something, again, even though you're gonna like, like you, yes, yes, <laughs> like, you, like, like with your with your relationship and like you focus on relationships. If you're the only one saying that, eventually enough people are gonna come to you and be like, "Wow, Darian is the go-to guy on this. No one right. else is talking about that." And there's a lot of power. Well, you know, it's interesting. My my personal training business and my consulting and management for spas and fitnesses. It's really that philosophy. I mean, we really focus on being small. That sounds so counterintuitive, but small with extremely diehard people mm -hmm. who want the service as much as possible. So is it going to attract a ton of people who are that diehard? No, but you don't need a ton of people to have a good living for that. And I've also kind of curated my life for the fact is, I don't need to have a gigantic amount of money because early in my life, in my 20s, my wife and I were very serious about building our 401ks, Roth IRAs and all that. So if we never put another penny into those things as it matures, when we retire in 25 years, we're good, even if we did nothing awesome. for that. Now that now, you know, as we've changed and so we've taken more chances and things. So we've ha not been able to contribute to it sometimes. And now we're getting back into it a little bit. But we kind of had a head start in our 20s and said, let's do this now. And knowing how that fluctuates over time and how that grows, we should be in a very good position. So if I just continue to just have a very similar income, I'll be okay when I retire because I'm going to, we took care of it kind of in the beginning, you know? That's the way to do it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, pay I yourself like, first. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. It's just, I, I'm not against capitalism. I'm into it. I just don't think everything should be about how do I become famous? How yeah. do I become notable? You're going to get to that point and you're going to realize maybe that is not that good for you. Just so you know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's like, I think it's a question we should all ask ourselves, especially like if you're a business owner, if you're an employee, it's a little different, but it's like, how much is enough? Like really yeah. like, like how much is enough? Because I don't know, like, like again, I've been studying some really old school marketers and they're, they're geniuses when it comes to marketing, but like they, 
you know, they die when they're like 60 and they're making millions of dollars a year. And it's like, dude, you could have, you could have probably worked. You probably could have stopped working. Like you have enough money, Yeah, yeah. but just something keeps on driving them. So yeah. yeah. I don't know. A lot of greed, man. I'm telling you because people, you think you get to a certain point and you go, I've made all this. How much more can I make? I want to make more. And we, we know there's some good research studies, statistics that show that people are not happier when they're mm. making truckloads of money it doesn't mean that they're happier than you or me in fact in many ways they're much less happy with that Dude, and it's uh, it's what master do you serve yeah you know? I, mean, I, I mean this is gonna be kind of a weird story but there's there's like a golf course it used to be a golf course and it shut down so now it's just like an overgrown nature preserve and i like to take my dog there yeah and a few weeks ago we went like right at sunrise like 6 a.m or something and I mean, I was cold, like fully dressed. And I was like, at that time I was really stressed because I had like a few different projects going and I was just like, I was working like 10 hour days and I was just really yeah. stressing myself out. And there was like a, a homeless dude who was sleeping in the bushes. And I was like, holy crap, like, dude, that is rough. Like it is freezing out here. Mm -hmm. And he like got up and he just had like one blanket and he was like, hey, how are you? Like he would, like he had like a, like a, a splitting smile. <laughs> Yeah. It's all good, man. I have dogs. I totally understand it, man. Come on. <laughs> I have two dogs. They do the same thing. It's all good, man. Sorry, it's, all, it's okay. My dogs do the same thing. They're just not doing be, it right now. Yeah, you want to be part of the podcast. Of um, course. Of course they do. I tell people all the time my dogs bark. I'm like, well, they're just part of the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but anyway, um, and I'm not saying like, I don't know, no, I don't really know that guy. Like he could have been struggling, but he seemed ha like, he seemed ha happier than I was. Like I was, <laughs> I was like stressed and he was just like walking down the path. Like, I, like, and I'm, I'm not saying we should like, obviously yeah. it's not an ideal situation, but I just think you could be living in a mansion and you could just be stressing yourself out from work. And there's, there's something to be said to be learned from, from people like that, you know? I think it's the less sometimes having, it's funny, we're saying all these things that I talk about regularly with a lot of people in my life, and but I haven't talked about it on my podcast so much, which I knew we were going to get heavy into all this stuff. <laughs> I just am all about it, but kind of the less, you know, people say less is more. Um, in many ways, there's a lot of truth to that um, because having less sometimes, you're, you're happier sometimes when you have less. Like there's people, I've known so many people in my life, they say, I remember when, you know, like married couples and they start out like they're happiest when they had nothing, mm. you know, and then once sure. you start complicating it, you put all these things into this bucket, it becomes it's just like the whole conversation about America being so big. Huh. and We got all these things. And in your personal life, in your individual existence, the more you throw into that pot, you're just creating more stress for yourself. You're putting more expectations, more parameters, more guidelines just more things are building. So I think it's good. You, that's part of the whole curation that I talk about is protecting yourself from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> because other people will come at you. Don't oh, you want to do this? People are always throwing information at you. Buy this. Look at this video. Comment on this. Do that. And you have to protect yourself from that. Be like, okay, what do I want to actually comment on that is in line with who I am mm -hmm. versus just commenting because I saw something that was weird and I disagree with that. And I'm just going <laughs> to, you know, that's what people, they get these visceral reactions. 
And my whole thing is I, I do not let my visceral reactions become comments online. I will not let that happen. That's because then then I get deep faked and they're going to see it, man. It'll <laughs> <laughs> mess up your brand. It'll mess up my whole thing, man. And it's just like, ah, uh, so am I consistently on the message that I'm putting out there? You know, honestly, you know, it's weird. Like when you see things and people, some, some guys, this great guy, he's an amazing guy. And then you find out that like, he was like a murderer or something for like, right. you know, it's like psychopathic things. It's like, man, I'm so scared of stuff like that with people. Cause people have the ability to be nuts like that. You know, that's some next level curation right there. <laughs> that's like crazy. So many people have done it though. Over the years, you watch all these stories. He's the perfect husband. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, the 2020 episode. Their life was amazing. Well, why are those stories so fascinating? I mean, maybe it's just, I, I know it's actually not just me because true crime is like a huge genre now, but like, like I'm super fascinated by stories. That's like my whole, that's, that's like why I'm a copywriter is because stories like run my life basically. And I'm just, I don't know, like what part of that story captivates the human mind? I, th I honestly think this is going to sound really weird, but maybe not. I think people are attracted to uh, car crashes, man. They're attracted to um, violence mm -hmm. and and craziness. Like they revel in it, and it becomes like this swarm mentality, you know. And you got to be careful because when you watch it, it's easy. Like if you're watching some show, like you know, just trash TV shows, just mindless stuff. I mean, a lot of people watch stuff. I watch stuff sometimes. I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching this, you know. <laughs> like, but you know, kind of throwaway shows and it's easy to start judging the people on the shows yeah. and say, that guy's nuts, you know, this and that. But you got to be careful of like, is this who I am? Am I somebody that just gossips about people all the time? Is this like, do I do that online? Do I do it talking? I'm like, no, I don't. Why would I be saying that? And I literally tell myself this stuff when I watch shows. I'm like, I, I want to say something about this character, but this is not my thing. This is not like me. I don't do this. Like I'm genuinely not have, don't have malice. I don't even right. know this person, you know, <laughs> but it's so easy. I think it's because it comes so easy for us to do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a really good point. And as far as like meditation goes, from my understanding, it, it's primarily like an awareness practice. And it sounds like you just have a good amount of awareness. Of, of when you're slipping into those things. And I think a lot of people don't have that awareness or so they slip into those negative things and they're just, they don't even, you know, it's just like, they're just so caught up in it that they don't have that like ability to take a step back and be like, wait, is, is this really where I want to spend my time? So. Well, I think in the landscape is really interesting too, because now like if you watch, I watch a lot of this stuff because I'm fascinated by human behavior. But if you look at like how people scam people online, and they're not who they say they are, where they catfish them or, you know, uh, different countries scamming people for money. It's really just that they're preying on people's relationships, their sense of loneliness and connection. And I think you just have to be careful because now the Internet is a place where it can be very easy to fall into those traps with people who tell you you're beautiful, tell you you're awesome, tell you you're kind you know, contact you, they start sending you messages and you love seeing that, that whatever color that beep is or whatever on mm -hmm. there. It says, oh, somebody messaged me, you know? 
And so I think it's important that you're constantly thinking if you're going to inundate yourself and be online, okay, how am I presenting myself? Is this true to who I am as a human being? Like if Tyler met me in person, would he, would he find out I'm the same person as the person he's seeing through the lens of this phone or the computer? Like that's very important to me. I want to be the same person that people hear on a podcast or they read when I put things out. I'm, I'm, I desperately want to be that same person. So I make sure that I conduct myself, that I am that same person genuinely. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's interesting. That's like, it's an important human element, but it's also like a, a huge part of brand, like your brand too, right. is like showing up consistently. So it's, it's, that's something I've been really realizing about work and especially owning my own businesses. Like I always thought, okay, I'm going to own my, I'm going to run my business and then I'm going to like meditate on the side. And so kind of like take like the, like there's the spiritual aspect and then more like the mundane, mundane, not being like critical, but just, you know, Yeah. and now I'm realizing like the work is the hardest spiritual practice I do every day. <laughs> like meditating's easy, but it's tough to like go out there and, and have to get on a sales call or, or have to like turn in a project, you know, like, like these things are way tougher because I'm really coming up against my like neuroses and my, uh, insecurities, you know, like, Oh, am I good enough to charge this price or, yeah. You know, there's all these these things that come up. Um, so I, I find that fascinating, like uh, how much I think this is like the next evolution. You know, people talk about like work life balance. And I just don't really think that makes sense anymore. It's like I don't either. My work is my life. My life is my work. Like, they're <laughs> so inseparable. It's not like I work all day, but it's like it might be 7 p.m. and I could be eating dinner and get a great idea that I, I want to go. Right yeah. Down. So it's not like there's this switch and it's just off. I, you know, I, that work-life balancing, I, it's, it's strange to me because I, sometimes I think when people say it, I think they mean more like they just want to have more time in their life. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, just say you want to have more time in your life, but like work-life balance, I don't know what that is. Like, it's, if, if, is it being at home more often? Is that work-life balance? Is it going on vacation? Taking, is that work? I don't know what, it just seems like a very broad term to me um, you know like yeah i don't know i mean i think yeah no you're totally right i'm sure different people mean different things which is probably part of the reason why it's not a great term like some people might want more time at home but i've been talking to um because i was working with a corporate mindfulness trainer so i was interviewing some of her clients and i was talking to like vps and ceos which was totally cool like people i would have never talked to otherwise yeah. and they were telling me they didn't really say this, but this is like kind of like the subcontext of what I got, which is really important for a copywriter to kind of like tap into that subcontext of what people are saying. And what they kept on coming up with is like people don't feel like they have autonomy in their work. So they show, so like, you know, they, they wake up, they check their email, they barely have time to get ready. They're out the door waiting in traffic and they're at work all day and they're getting told what to do. And then they go home and they have dinner and they do it all over again. So they don't really feel like they're making choices. So a lot of like the well-being programs that people, like companies are rolling out are just like allowing the employees to make choices of like, what color do you want the walls? Or like, what type of coffee do you want? Stuff like that. So just like giving people autonomy in the workplace seems to go a long way to increasing this mythical work-life balance <laughs> yeah the mythical work-life balance yeah i i'm trying to understand it myself i think i'm somebody i'm very i analyze things before i jump into it mm -hmm. so like and 
unfortunately, I'm in a profession that is constantly throwing shit out all the time. In the fitness business, exercise is always some new fad, some new thing, <laughs> and I think it's very easy to get into. But I'm I'm always the I play I play the back all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like mm, I'm not gonna have a comment on this until I let it ride out for a while. And the work life balance thing is I just I really had this is probably the first time I've talked about it, and it's been out forever. People talking about it, especially as the last five years, people talking about it. I just don't know what to think of it still. I really just think it's very individual. It means something to different people. And then there's people who would tell you, I want no part of that. There are, pe- there are people who, won't, who don't want a work-life balance. Yeah. You know, they're like, I don't care about that. And I'm like, okay, well, that, that's your individual thing then, you know? No, there's a great point. Like my work, like for me, if I was going to have quote-unquote work-life balance, to be able to live at home when or work from home and hang out with my dog all day (laughs) and uh for other people it's like going to an office and putting in 80 hours a week like some people are happy doing that which blows me away but yeah that blows me away too man (laughs) i mean i uh i am at home all day i go walking on the beach i hang out and for me that is you know i do my work and then i just do other things and then it's it's uh it's been very freeing but i know people that that would not be good for them you know Mm -hmm. it it would not you, you got to have the discipline to work from home too, man. You it's know, just, it's, uh, it's not uh, easy. It's yeah. I feel like a lot of people want to be business owners and want to like work online and stuff, but it was a real challenge for me going from like a completely slacker lifestyle to <laughs> like running my own business. Like I'll, I'm totally upfront with it. Like it was, I mean, it's still a challenge. I think it's a challenge for everyone. Even I have some mentors who are like very successful copywriters and I was talking to them about this, like time management and stuff. And they were like, they were like putting in perspective. They're like, Tyler, I don't really think you have a problem. I think it's just something that everyone struggles with is like, <laughs> you know, like I could, I could go to the beach and play with my dog all day, but I have to, you know, write a dozen <laughs> emails or whatever. So <laughs> I don't think it'll ever end that, that sort of challenge, but that's also part of what, what makes it uh, fun and, and rewarding. I think. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of people, too, that that they like going to an office because they want to escape their personal life, too. I mean, they don't want to be at home and having that. So I think this big blanket of work life balance. I'm not really sure what it is. Honestly, I know for me personally, I get to see my wife all the time, my daughter all the time, my pets. I get to be on the beach every day. Sounds good to me. You know, <laughs> I get to you know, I, I did a bunch of work this morning, trained a bunch of folks doing this podcast now doesn't get much better than that for me. But then the opposite argument is there's somebody who looks at my life and goes, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I really mm-hmm. don't want to do that. I don't want to be at home all the time. I want to be in the office. I want, you know, it just depends, you know? Well, and I, I don't know. I'm interested to hear how you like, like your thoughts on this. Cause for me, like some days I just don't like, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want to work at all. Like, I just want to hang with my dog, read some books, catch up on laundry or whatever. And then other days I'm perfectly happy putting in like 10 hour day, you know? Cause I'm just like, and I think that that's one reason why I couldn't have like a, a typical nine to five job is mm. because I would just get burnt out. Like I can put in long hours and even do it over a couple of weeks, but I yeah. need like decompression times. <laughs> and it's, and for me, I think, I think that's like, I think a lot of people are that way. 
Um, I don't know. Do you, do you feel that way too? Like where some days you're like, you know what, I, I'm going to send this email and then balance. And then other days you're just like looking all day. Is that, is that how you do it too? Or no? Tyler, you crack me up, man. <laughs> One, because I think we are, we are kindred spirits, my friend. Yeah. I, think <laughs> I have been, this is whole, part of my whole curation thing. So when like I was running a really high-end club, a gym for over a decade, and I used to front load my week. You know, I could do whatever I want, get my set my own schedule. So I would work like 12 hour days i work tuesday through saturday so i would work 12 hour days tuesday and wednesday and then i would completely nosedive the rest of the week i would work like six hours the next day then i would work like five hours the next day and then i would pump like a three or four hour day because i was like you know i'm not into like killing myself every day you know i'm just i'm not going to be any good but i was okay with working hard a couple of days of working well working hard that's relevant well working long hours a couple of days. I like the rhythm of that. Mm-hmm. And I still do it now. So like I still work Tuesday through Saturday. Um, and I have the same routine. Like I want a couple of days when I'm working like most of the day. I want that. I like yeah. the rhythm. But then after that, I want no part of work the next day. I want like maybe one or two things to do. And the rest of the day, I want to like binge a bunch of Netflix documentaries. <laughs> I want to I want to make some waffles, you know, like I'm serious, man. <laughs> no, I'm on the exact same page as you. I think because yeah. I think maybe it's just certain personality types. But I feel like if I put in a 10 hour day on a day where I'm really motivated to do it, yeah. like I get so much momentum that I don't get if I just worked like, you know, six hours every day of the week. But um like that's that's like my goal is just to set up my my business. Uh, it's not quite there where I can just yeah. where I can do that. Like have a day where I only work thirty minutes or whatever. Yeah. But um, the funny thing or the interesting thing I think is like I, I'm guessing there's some people listening to this right now who are like, oh, I couldn't do that. I would feel guilty or something. Or like you know like like I think there's this idea, probably going back from early American like Protestant work ethic that if you're not if you take a Wednesday and you just watch Netflix all day, like you're doing something wrong and you should feel guilty. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I get where they're coming from, but I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like, like <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you, do you, do you think people are, would feel guilty about that? Like, I, I definitely yeah, think that's Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. I just, uh, I just don't care about that stuff. <laughs> I just, honestly, I just don't, uh, but, but I've always swam in a different direction when other people swim, you know, other ways. Like I, I never feel guilty, like I, but I also never understood like the 40 hour work week or an 80 hour work week. I, I've always been a fan of like, okay, let's just do what makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. like if we need to work long this day or like if like when I was opening clubs and stuff, okay, yeah, we do need to work seven days a week because we're just, we're opening a brand new huge club. We need to be there, but then we need to like ease off the pedal here at some point, you know, we're not just going to be like, pushing it I, th- I just think people have this expectation that other people will think that they're lazy mm-hmm. uh that if they sit all out all day and just like order a pizza watch <laughs> netflix play some games whatever i think as long as you're getting the things you need to get done done who cares you know <laughs> like totally you know it's not like you're doing it every day you know yeah and i, I mean especially for us because we have like clients yeah uh, like some people would be like, oh, you can't say that. What if, you're, what if a potential client heard that some days you want to take Wednesday so off what? to watch Netflix? It's like, if I was hiring someone, I would want them to be able to do that because then they're probably going to do better work. But yeah, I actually tell my being, clients. <laughs> I tell my clients sometimes, I'm like, listen, 
we're scheduled for, let's say, four days a week. And they say it comes to a Saturday. I got one client in particular. She may listen to this. She'll, she'll think it's funny, I think. <laughs> she'll be like, oh, she'll say, you know, I feel like going to breakfast this morning instead of training. Just hang with my family, have some donuts. I'm like, go for it. Yeah. Do it. Have a good time. Now, I know there's a lot of people who go, hey, that's my income. I need to have them there. I need to train as much as possible. I get that. But it's not like they're doing it all the time. It's just every once in a while, they're like, I just want to skip training today. Okay. Me too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you think well, I want to do this constantly all the time? No. It's, it's another re reason to curate your clients and for clients to curate the people they work with because it's like, like I, I wouldn't want to have a client who, want, who was going to call me at 8 p.m. on a Friday and be like, I need this problem done right now. It's like, no, like that's not, no, like, so that's no. not the deal. <laughs> that's not the deal, man. It's like, so I think it's like it goes both ways. And, you know, I try to be very flexible with everybody I work with and say, listen, how is this important to, you know, you want to spend time with your kids and your husband and you guys want to go on the beach. That's more important than your training session with me today. You need to go do that. Have a good time. It doesn't matter whether it's a lost session for me or not. It's just, it, but in the end, see what you're doing is you're creating long-term security and stability with that person. Mm -hmm. You may not get something out of, that, out of that today, but they'll be a client with you for much longer because you were flexible with them. Nailed it. Right? You were flexible. So, you, so then you have to believe in the long-term sustainability of your business versus the short-term reward. It's, it's funny. This is going to be a weird example, but um, I, I think what you're saying is like one of the most valuable business and marketing lessons is sometimes it's worth taking a loss right now to, to gain trust with a customer. And that, and that, again, this goes to having a smaller audience, but each one of your, your customers wants, you know, gives you more money over time because you've added right. more value to them. And there's a show Better Call Saul, which is like the prequel to Breaking <laughs> yeah. Bad. Yeah. I think it's a really good show. I, I just I, I watched like three seasons um, over the last like month or so, and there's this one guy who sells like guns, right? He sells like illegal guns. Yeah. And he's selling guns to one of the characters, and the character is like, you know what? I changed my mind. I don't want to buy it. But here's like five hundred dollars for your right. trouble. And the guy selling the guns like, no, 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 it's okay. Like I make my money off repeat customers. When you need what I offer, like just call me. And I mean. Yeah. I'm, I'm always catching like business and marketing lessons in movies and books and TV yes. shows yeah. and little things like that. Like, even though it's, it's a fictional story, like that is so true. Like you're better off not taking the quick money and building the trust with him, with someone for the long term. So I, I totally agree with you on that. It's totally, um, I think an underrepresented way of marketing or just, it's just genuine. It's just being genuine to me, but just saying like, Hey, you know, for me, like with people, it's it's not ideal if somebody wants to work out once a week. And I have a few people that do that, and I'm totally fine with it, even though it's not ideal. Because, you know, I tell them kind of the thing is, well, if you cancel, then, then you're like two weeks out of exercise. You're not doing anything, blah, blah, blah. And they understand that. They go, well, I still just want to do it. I'm like, you know what? Totally cool with me, you know. And I, I don't know, down the line, they may convert themselves to two or three days a week because I was patient with them mm -hmm. with that. And even if it doesn't, who cares? Or whatever. But if, even if nothing happens and we just end up doing once a week, it's totally fine. You know, we're having good where I earn my money is in the talking with people. I truly believe that's how I earn money. 
is making people feel good about who they are, that they can trust me. I genuinely care about them. I care about their family, their friendships, uh, all the things that they're excited about. And I ask them about it almost mm -hmm. every single time I work with them. And we laugh and we joke. And then we get, you know, when I see them, we, do, we go to happy hours together. That's how you make money. You're like a natural marketer, man. Like everything yeah. that, you're, that you're saying is like totally aligned with uh, just like my philosophy and all, yeah. all the, a lot of the, the stuff I study. So it's, it's really interesting because it seems like you came about it just by observing, which it's just observing. is a really, it's a really, I mean, that's, everyone thinks that there's like some secret to marketing, but that's only because people sell it that way. But like, really, there's no secret. It's, it's like Sean, just going back to Sean D'Souza, the guy who limits his income. He, he says like, would it work in your real life? Or like, would it work? Like, like he always brings it to like the dating. Like if you're going to date a girl, like you wouldn't immediately ask her to get married. You would, you would like be like, Hey, can I have your number? And that's yeah. the same way with like building a business. It's like, you don't, you don't start off by trying to sell them a $10,000 package. <laughs> you know, you just ask for email, but anyway. Yeah, you're just building. It's like little, it's just the, the psychological term is just called shaping. You're just shaping mm -hmm. behavior. Little little by little. It's better to have little wins than big wins is my approach. Mm -hmm. And those little wins is every single time you have contact with your client. You're building little tiny wins. Hey, you know, whether it's for a lot of guys who are into sports and stuff. Hey, talking about their favorite sports team that they love. Oh, man, you see how the Bears did this week? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, what about the penguins? You know, you're building, you're building like a brick by brick, this relationship with this person. And then eventually they see you as somebody who's like, man, this guy, he really cares about me. Mm -hmm. Like they really like this person hasn't asked me for anything. In fact, they just asked me about me most of the time. I'm like, yeah, the best, best thing to do. <laughs> right. Is focusing on them for that but i think like if you go on the wild wild west of the internet i think you're being told something very different well that. i think what something that i've really seen is like i'm sure you've heard like the always add value kind of idea yeah like always have like always be teaching or something and i think what you're what you do and what people miss is like what do humans value more than anything else human connection like human honestly, connection so like in a lot of the ways, like when I, when I work with clients, like, like I'll get testimonials before I even done the project and they're like, Oh, I'm just so happy about all this. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I mean, obviously have a good product and a good service, but if you can make people feel good, I mean, you're going to be like the go-to brand. And I don't know. I think, I think that's like, you're a good example of that. Thank you. What you just yeah. said. I think it's, I think it comes back to that and kind of this whole curation thing, which is really it's not like I read about it or anything. It's just kind of like I, I observed the landscape. That's mm -hmm. like a big thing for me. Okay, what's going on? It's, it's why I got off of social media because I observed the landscape. I'm like, this is not for me. And I'm going to keep my professional media, LinkedIn, and I'm going to focus my efforts mainly on that. And then I didn't come to the decision to do a podcast very lightly either. It was like something that built over six, seven months. Wow. And I really thought, okay, how does this, how will this come together with my networking, the positive networking I'm doing on LinkedIn? And the reason why it's called Dr. D's Social Network is because it's literally just an extension of my LinkedIn universe. To everybody I meet on LinkedIn that I feel I'd have a good conversation with comes on the podcast. 
So the two are always linked together. Mm-hmm. That I find basically 100% of the guests are from LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And LinkedIn's where I do 100% of my networking online. So those two things live together and will always be connected for that. So I really had to think about that. And then, you know, I got people telling me, oh, you need to have a Twitter account. You need to have Instagram to promote this podcast. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, that is not, that is not me. That is not authentic to me. I'm not going to spend the time on it. Well, I think it's, this is something that really kind of bothers me actually with marketing. Um, and I hear this from meditation teachers, especially who I work with. They're like, like, do I need a, a do I need to be on every single social media platform? And I'm like, well, do you enjoy it? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, then you probably don't need to be on there. <laughs> People are telling you you need to be on Twitter and Instagram, and they don't even ask you, like, like Darian, like, what is your goal with this podcast? Yeah. They're like telling you you need these things without even understanding why you're doing it in the first place. And that's why I say don't listen to 90% of the this, this stuff you hear on marketing. And it's funny because I'm, I'm always out here teaching marketing stuff because that's like what I do for my job. And I'm always telling people like, like, don't even listen to me. Like, 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 li- like hear what I'm saying. And then, and then yeah. like be like Darian and, and observe and see what makes sense to you. Because just because something's worked for me and my clients, it doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. No, it's, it's very true. I mean, I think observation is something that is not done enough. <laughs> like just really like it's, you know, it's not like I haven't tried all those services and things. I have, I, and, but I sat back. Anytime I join something, I'm a, I'm a silent observer always in the beginning. I go, mm, is this a good playground for me <laughs> to you know, curate, put out my, the, the exist, my existence to the, to the universe on there? You know? And if I feel it just doesn't work for me, then I just delete it. You know? And what I think is interesting is people need to be aware of that how you get rid of these things because a lot of the companies don't want you to get rid of these things. They create default settings that make it hard for you to get rid of these accounts. And they recognize that usually once you get somebody on something for a long time, they're likely not to get off because they get stuck and they go, well, it's like, like a, a big thing I do is like emails. I get sent all these emails and I go and unsubscribe all the time stuff I don't want. But you know, a lot of people don't unsubscribe. They just click delete and then they just keep sending them stuff. And they go, oh, I'm so upset. I keep getting all this spam. Like, well, why don't you just unsubscribe from it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's the act of doing it is hard for people because then it's like, well, I got to go through all these and find the unsubscribe. Then, and then who knows if it'll actually work? <laughs> you know, like, so. Yeah, well, it's, that's another, it's another good reason because I do a lot of email marketing. Uh, for business owners to actually curate who they let onto their email subscriber list. Yes. And I mean, there's ways to do it. Like, I mean, there's no real way to like stop someone from getting on, but you can make it really clear. Like, like that's one of the reasons why I email daily is because like, if you're going to be on my list, I want you interested in what I'm talking about. Yeah. And um, yeah. So I, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think curation is a big uh, buzzword for this, this talk, <laughs> but well, one thing I definitely want to cover, and then I think I got to head out because my dog's whining. Yeah, I want to take about, but um, of course. is is this, there's this idea that I've been experimenting with, and I, I it, it's interesting. Like a lot of the stuff we've talked about, I think fits into this idea of like community based marketing, and it's it's not necessarily something that I came up with. I, I haven't heard anyone use that term, but 
this idea of instead of being like a service provider or a product maker and selling it to these people, it's more about creating a community. And there's, there's lots of ways to do that. And I've actually been calling like my email subscriber list, like my, my email community or my responsible marketing community. And I think that you're doing a lot of those things just naturally, which I find fascinating. But I would love for people to actually think more about building communities rather than building lists or audiences and and starting a dialogue with people instead of just being this like hierarchical, like I'm going to send you emails, you're going to read my tweets or whatever. It's, it's, it's about this, this dialogue. And I mean, um, we, we can get into like some of the benefits of it if, if you want. Yeah, no, I think, um, again, I think it's something for me that is probably more natural thing for me. Like, okay. I don't even know, I don't even know I'm doing it, honestly. No, it's, it's true. Like a podcast, like I see a podcast and marketing it and I say, okay, there's options, there's different ways you can put it out there. And for me, it's a very narrow channel. It's like LinkedIn and then, um, you know, people sharing it with each other and referring it to other people. But then like I, everybody that's a guest on the show, you know, we're having a podcast retreat in May and okay. it's just, it's just a, yeah. So you're invited, you're all guest <laughs> on the show now and it's going to be up here where I live, which is unbelievably beautiful. Yeah. And it's just a, I said, you know, have I seen anybody doing like a podcast retreat, at least in my narrow channels that I see? I haven't seen it. I just see people putting out things and not knowing where it's going. And to some extent, I'm doing that, but I know how to create communities. I've been, I've been big in doing that. Yeah. And so I'm like, how do I make this show more relevant to the people doing it? I guess, what if the guests could meet each other in one location? And they could party with each other, hang out, have these deep conversations, but they would all have one thing in common when they met each other, the podcast. Mm -hmm. they, they, all can, they can say, oh, you know, Tyler's coming to the podcast retreat, Michelle Zellner, all these people. They don't know them, but you could always just listen to their episode mm -hmm. and, and hear, learn a little bit about them. And then it would create natural conversation. I, I heard you on that podcast talk about this, this, and that. I want to talk to you about that a little bit further in person. So you're just creating natural conversations through the podcast. And then when you get all these people together, they have natural built-in things to talk about because they've heard hours of people talking to each other that will be there at the event. Yeah. Thing. I, I love that. That's, that's an awesome, awesome vision. And uh, the podcast retreat sounds awesome. I haven't, I haven't heard anyone do that either. I, I just, I was like, this could be, and I, I got, it's not my idea. Michelle Zellner, one of my podcasts, people she's like a diehard fan of the show and she's like this would be a great idea don't you think it'd be fun i was like actually you're really right this would be an incredible idea but it's kind of the community marketing like i'm curating an event that's just for people who've been on the show now could i could i put it out to people and go we want as many people as possible here we're going to get as tons of people for this thing i'm going to put it out to all of my connections I could, but then it wouldn't be authentic. Mm -hmm. I don't know everybody like that, but I know on some level each person that I've had on the show. I, I know them way better than most of the people I've talked to yeah, because well, I'm doing this. Well, it's also like you're creating like a participatory culture rather yes. than just like come to my event. It's like you were all you've all participated in this podcast, and now we're gonna we're gonna gather and. This is kind of getting into like some of the, the deeper psychology stuff. But one thing that happens is so like I connected with Michelle Collins, who is 
yes. a guest on your show and I've been talking to her. So it's not, so like that connection is in my brain, like connected to you too. I mean, I, I don't know if this is true neur neurologically, but I've just seen this happen with like brands that I follow and stuff. Like it, it builds momentum. So like anyone that you connect me with it, any like value I get from them is also rubbing off on my relationship with you. Does that exactly. make sense? Exactly. Yes. So it's, totally. it's like it's like you're leveraging all the other people's uh, relationships and stuff, and and I think that's part of what we were talking about earlier, where like it's it's like what you're doing is maybe slow moving, but it's really powerful, and and like you, when you keep it going, the the ball will keep on rolling. So exactly. That's that's kind of the community marketing is the podcast will get bigger because other people will make it bigger. They will tell somebody else. They may tell one person, but that one person may shotgun that to somebody else. But really it's like, it just rubs off on my reputation. If I introduce you, Tyler, to 10 people and you love all 10 of those people, how does that make me look? Exactly. You know, I'm like, you're like, oh man, this guy knows great people. And then and even like, if I like barely ever talk, maybe I, I don't talk to you that much, but one of the people I talk to all the time then I'm going to be like, oh, Darian, he's so cool for hooking me up with this person. Exactly. Even though you and I might not interact a whole lot. Exactly. And, and it goes the same way with like business um, and marketing. Like, like you got to kind of read between the lines to, to figure out how to apply it to your business. But there, there are a lot of lessons there too. So I really love what you're doing. And uh, Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And see, you. you're studying me? Okay. It's like I'll study your way. Man. Yeah. You're, you're, a, you're a natural. <laughs> It's just what I do, man. And you know, I keep doing this. I keep trying to do the deep fakes on me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. We're going to end it here. The dogs need to go outside. Mine too. I'm hitting the gym after this. I'm going nice. to go steam and sauna, and I'm going to sit in the hot tub, and I'm going to think about this conversation. It's going to be right. awesome. Well, and uh, maybe I can just plug my, my site if anyone Please wants to do. learn more. Yeah, if anyone wants to learn more about me and uh, join my email community, they can go to copybymccune.com slash subscribe. And if you don't want to join my email list, there's a bunch of articles and blogs up there on marketing and just growing your business. Some of the similar stuff we talked about on this podcast, but um, more, more focused on marketing. So Awesome. Thank you, Tyler, for your time. I tell you, the time literally flew by, man. I know. I'm like, oh my God, it's like an hour and a half almost. I was like, the dogs are whining already? Like, I thought I had longer. <laughs> no. Thanks, man. We'll be in yeah. touch for sure, yeah. man. Thanks a lot, All right. Later. Austin. You got it, man.